Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. This podcast was originally a live show that was aired across several different social media platforms. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. All right. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. I am so excited to be here with my special guest, Principal Baruti Kafele. How are you doing, Baruti? I'm great. I'm on fire, ready to go. You are absolutely on fire. It was been, I've been trying to tracing you around for a while, trying to figure out a time that this would work. And I'm so excited that you were able to join us finally and share your story because you know, I remember a little while ago we had a show with Manny Scott and Manny Scott was telling me all about you and I've had been, had heard about you so much before that and you've been around for 35 years in the business. You've been in a, a principal. You are now on the speaking game. You've written over 12 books and eight of those came from ASCD, which you just told me as well. And you have just such an unbelievable career and, and now more than ever, I just seem to be whether it's just the social media gods, but I just seem to be coming across you all the time because the work that you're doing is so inspiring and helping schools. So appreciate you being here. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, it's it's just good to be alive and good to be above water, so to speak. You know, it's been rough weather wise here for the past few weeks. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. You're in Jersey. I'm in New York. We've had yeah. uh, we've had quite a, a past couple of days with flooding and and crazy things going on so hopefully everybody near you is is doing well and and doing okay right made a recovery <laughs> absolutely so you know you're i mean i can't even put into like sentences your story because as i look through your story you know you've been doing this you've put in over 2000 presentations uh, around the world around the globe you have over 150 educational community awards and there is even a day named after you in Texas, the Baruti Kafele Day, which I think is pretty amazing. So I don't even know where to start, but where would you start when you start talking about your journey and how you've gotten to where you are today? I typically start with day one, um, my first year, first day as a teacher in Brooklyn, New York City. Um, in the Crown Heights section. That's where it all started for me. I, I went there. I didn't know anything about teaching and education, lesson planning, nothing. But I, I, I knew I wanted to be in the classroom teaching young people. I didn't go to undergrad school for education. 
I studied marketing. And once I was in corporate America, I knew from probably the first week that this was not the place for me. So I figured out that school was where I needed to be. So went on and got myself hired, got myself certified, certified and went on and did it. And I enjoyed it. It was a struggle. It was a challenge. It was not easy because, you know, again, I'm learning on the job. No, um, no dress rehearsal, no, um, no student teaching, just just going in there. So then I liked it. They asked me to come back. So I went on back home to Jersey, which is, you know, I'm a Jerseyite. I'm not a New Yorker at all. So came on back home to Jersey and and started the process over again. And I've been riding, riding this wave ever since. And so you kind of went through the whole story there. You kind of started in one place. You started in, with one idea in your mind as to where you planned on going in kind of corporate America. And then what was that change for you? What made you kind of be like, you know what? I want to go this complete different route into education. Yeah, you know, New York City was interesting. I, I knew I wanted to try out teaching. So going to New York at that time, New York had a severe shortage of teachers. They were practically hiring folks if they could breathe, you know, and I'm exaggerating, but you needed a bachelor's degree in any, in any, any, any area. And I had a bachelor's degree. So they brought, they brought you in if you were interested and gave you a, an essay and a two question oral examination. And if you passed, they said, go find a school. I mean, it was it was that simple. So I said, OK, New Jersey is going to be a little bit tougher. Of course, that's putting youngsters at a disadvantage that it's that easy. But they literally they had no teachers during those times in the, in the 80s, the late 80s. So I went on in there, got it that easily. You know, I went to a school to meet with a principal and the principal said, can you start tomorrow? This was in November. You know, it wasn't like it was in the summer getting ready. This the teacher had had made his transition. He died. So a very popular teacher. So they said to me, can you, can, are you ready to start tomorrow? And I wasn't expecting that. I said, um, okay, yeah, I'm ready. And that's what it was. So it was a tough year. You know, there's, there's nothing about that year that I'm proud of, but I do hear from some of the students from time to time, you know, they're in their forties now, they were fifth graders and, you know, but, but then I knew that I was going to get better. So going back home or coming back home to Jersey, and now having the reset, I was able to mentally prepare for it over a period of time. Because one of the things that I don't talk about often, you know, people that know me know that I didn't just go right into it. I came back to Jersey and said, let me be a sub, a building based sub. So I was in one school the whole year and just getting getting myself acclimated to various different classes, various different grade levels, and then had the audacity to write a book after that year of subbing called the black parents handbook to educating your children outside of the classroom because one of the things that i discovered in that that those first two years but particularly that sub year in new jersey east orange new jersey which is the city that produced me i, I might add born and raised um i just i said man if the parents were involved more so than what i've detected this year the probability for young people to be successful would increase exponentially so me having a let's let's see i had my my wife was pregnant with my first son and i decided i want to write this book when, once he was born and i became mr mom 
while he slept, I wrote all day, every day and eventually wrote this book, hustled it on the streets of New York and New Jersey. It eventually became the Essence Magazine number one bestseller. <clears throat> and it wasn't sold in not one mainstream bookstore. But it was just it was just grind, working hard, you know, making it happen. And then once I, so I rode that out for about two years and then returned and went to the classroom for that reset in 1992. Wow. What an amazing story. Yeah, so living you on, living on New York City subway <laughs> um, with, a, with a box on my shoulders. And, yeah. and literally just putting this book in the hands of people that walk past me, it, selling it for five dollars, you know, and that's you know that's that's the part that people don't see. They see the they see now, right? But they don't yeah. understand what it took to get to the level that I am now as a presenter. And you wrote that book after only being in the classroom for how many years? Did you say yeah, just uh, one year as a teacher and one that's, year as a substitute teacher? That's it's, amazing. It, it's amazing. But the thing is, like I tell folks, I say it wasn't written from the vantage point of an educator. It was written from the vantage point of a college student. In other words, here I was. I graduated summa cum laude. Um, nobody saw that coming because that wasn't who I was as a high school student. So it, it, it came out of nowhere. That's, and that's a story in and of itself. However, I said those tactics that I used to become this, this 4.0 student are transferable to a parent at home with a child. So that was the perspective I was coming from, not the perspective of the educator, because I didn't I quite frankly didn't have the experience being the educator from that vantage point just yet. Yeah. And I wonder how many people that follow you now have you have read that book and or have seen that book, right? Yeah. The old heads know about it. Yeah. But, the, but this younger generation. They they wouldn't know anything about it because I, I I don't I don't even I don't even sell it anymore. I took it off of uh, off the market because I needed to revise it, but I never took the time to revise. It's self published. My first sure. four books self published, and that's a whole for those of the folks that will see this uh, out there. That self publishing is a different animal from being published. Being published, you got the publisher. They're going to do all the legwork. I just got to be on social media, keeping it relevant, and when I'm out on the road. But the self publishing. That's a business. That's a, that's a full time job. So it's very if, if your book's going to be a bestseller, which that book became, it's a full time job. You, you, you're doing everything. You're doing the promotion. You're doing the distribution. You're doing you, you, you're doing everything. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. So. And that's yeah. clear. That's also happening nowadays in your work. You know, you're absolutely you're getting out there. You're making these connections. You're getting into schools and you're creating these relationships that you've created over the past, you know, 35 years because of the work of this one particular book. And what I love about your story is that it's not the story that all of us would think that really that really is how you got to this point. Most people would think, oh, well, he was a really great administrator and a great teacher. And then he just did this. And then he wrote a book because he had all this great knowledge. But no, you were like, after a year or a little bit more of a year, you you said, you know what, I have, I have a book inside me and I'm not going to wait. You know, so many people wait to write that book. And, you know, for you, it was just dive right in. And, and the hustle that was that you put on to make it happen is just amazing. It's an amazing story. Let's dive into some of your work currently, though, because I think, you know, recently in light of, you know, a lot of the events in, you know, 2020 and 2021, 
you've been tapped on the shoulder to come in and talk about you know race and equity and, and culturally responsiveness and i know that when you know your name is shared in a lot of circles that's kind of what a lot of people talk about is you know he's the best for this because of you know the work he's doing you have a statement that you have actually on your twitter profile which i think is kind of cool it's kind of a little reverse on the old saying and you know let's get uncomfortable with being comfortable and i think that kind of speaks about you a little bit so talk a little bit about that yeah you know when i tell people all the time if if if, if you see me getting comfortable complacent if you see me inside the box so to speak the proverbial box snatch me out I don't want to be in there. I want to I want to stay in the uncomfortable spaces because that's where the growth comes. You know, it's like years for years, people referred to me. I don't think I ever really embraced this title, but people referred to me as a motivational speaker. And, and I just kind of ran with it. So then, I, you know, over time, you know, I'd see my name on flyers and so forth. Motivational speaker. And I guess as I got older and got grayer and wiser, I said, you know, that title is not good. It's good for people that, that that's who they are. I said, but that's really not what I do. I, I've, I found a way to be inspiring, delivering difficult content, you know, so, 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 so therefore if someone wants to say, okay, he's, he's, he's very inspiring, he's motivational, fine. But, but that's not what I do. It's just, it's just a, it's just a, a, a method to get from point A to point B. So I said, Instead of being a motivational speaker, I created a title. I used to use it on the website, but I think it was confusing people that didn't know the rationale behind it. And what it was, I said, I'm America's discomfort speaker, right? So, so people would see that, and I guess they were like, well, what's he mean? Is this the guy we want? So I said, let me, let me take that down. But I, but I still embrace it, meaning that my role is not to go in and get you pumped up and inspired, per se, because... That inspiration typically will last until the, the, the conference, the, 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 that day of the conference is over or even maybe after the keynote. And then once people get back to the car or back outside in the lobby of the, con the convention center, whatever it is, they may not be thinking about that message anymore. Right. It was it was it was great in the moment. But discomfort, on the other hand. When a presenter can can get put out good content, inspiring content, but it makes somebody feel like, huh, this guy stung me, man. Like 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 that hurt. Like ouch, that's gonna stay with you because it's like it, you you felt that, and now this person spoke to me in a way that he made me think about what I thought was I thought I was doing something right, but now he put it in a way that makes me question. Did I am I doing this thing the way I should be doing or am I doing it at an optimal level? So I say, yeah, I want folks to feel some some tension, some uneasiness, some some discomfort within their comfort. And now it's easier to make that shift than if we go in there reinfor reinforcing what you. Yeah, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So that's what that's all about. Let's let's get uncomfortable with being comfortable and let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, so the difficult conversations of diversity, equity, inclusion, race, social justice, education, those are not comfortable conversations for everybody in a room. Some folks like, like I'm about time, you know, some of us say, including myself, but others is like, oh, I don't know about this conversation. So, 
But if 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 it can be crafted in a way that, OK, I guess I can have it. Right. And then and then having the vision that perhaps on the other side, I will be better as a result of being a part of this conversation. So let's step out of that comfort zone and let's step into that uncomfortable or that discomfort zone. And let's see where that takes us while still remaining friends and allies and not not, you know, not getting to the point where now we're adversaries because we had the tough conversation. So as a principal for 14 years, I had to engage my staff in those difficult conversations because that's what was going to bring about the kind of change that we needed to see. Not not everybody, you know, to having the conversation where we're all feeling good and comfortable in, 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 in the things that we should not be feeling comfortable with. So it's all strategic in terms of how we do that. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, as a white male myself, you know, trying to to kind of wrap my head around all of the things that have been happening in the past 18 months. But like, I keep saying all the time, like it took a pandemic for us to kind of look in the mirror and say like, all right, now all of a sudden races and equity conversations are important to have. Social emotional learning is now like something that we need to be having, but it goes back to what you're saying about being uncomfortable. Like the power is within all of us. And we just have to be able to embrace that and start somewhere, right? Like sometimes you just need to start with the conversation of, okay, well, I'm feeling this way and I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling this way, but what am I going to do to change that? You know, for me, it's, you know, I'm going to bring in guys like Manny Scott and Ken Williams and have the opportunity to talk to guys like that who are out there doing this kind of work and yourself. Um, but sometimes, you know, a lot of educators, and I'm sure you run into it on the road when you're doing this work, you know, people who are really uncomfortable in this place of race and having these conversations about race and equity and culturally responsiveness and identity and just kind of, your way as you've been running into this out in the road, and I know this is part of your platform, what is some of the suggestions that you give to those educators out there that are a little afraid of being uncomfortable? Yeah, well, I say, you know, if if you're really serious about this work, if you're really serious about children and, and helping children to maximize their own potential, then we we have to have this conversation because you take for example you reference you being a white male there there are teachers in schools with children that do not look like them so for example black children and non-black teachers which is which is actually the the norm in america in most places um because black men, for example, represent less than 2% of the entire teaching um, force. And then black women are about six to 7%. So they're not gonna see a lot of teachers that look like them along racial ethnic lines. Now, I'm, I'm saying to the teacher, however, you can still be amazing with that, with that youngster. But there's some things that you're going to have to learn that you probably did not pick up in undergraduate school. Like, you know, I, I've got a library behind me. It's one of the libraries in this house. And I'm not going to go through what's there, but I will say this. There's not a book on these shelves that a teacher of black children should not have in their home, right? Or have in their professional library, 
right? These, these are these are all books just for educators, particularly of black children. Yeah, I, I used to post a lot of them on, on my social media pages, but these are not books that you'd commonly see in, in, in a pre-service program, right? These are not books that a, that a teacher would just stumble on at the local bookstore, right? Like, like, it's like, like, like for me, I'm an ASCD author, but, I, but I'm also a black author. ASCD books are in your large local bookstore chains, but mine are not. I've never been in one of those chains in my life. They, they, they just won't sell my stuff. Right. So although I got the, 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 the letters ASCD on the spine of my books and although the equity and social justice 50 is the number one seller with ASCD, those those chains will not put my books on their shelves. They'll only sell them on the website. So therefore, the teacher that goes into the store to just browse and see what's in there, they're never going to stumble on my work. Right. So if they're not going to stumble on my work. I do know that professors use my books in, in the university, but that doesn't mean it in all the programs. Right. So chances are that that teacher, my book or books of, of by other black authors, they're not going to come into contact with those books. So therefore that those answers that they are looking for, they're, they're, they're hidden in plain sight. But the teacher may not stumble on them because they're not in the stores that the teacher may frequent. And, 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 and the teacher may not find them on the web. The teacher may not know what to look for on the web. Right. So, you know, it's just so, so we have the going back full circle with the equity conversation. That which I just said, that illustration I just gave, that's part of the discussion, because when I tell that to folks, when, when I'm, you know, when I'm having a broader conversation, like, wait a minute. You're not in, you know, I'm not going to name the names of stores, but the most popular ones, <laughs> you're not in there. No. Nah. And, and, and every time I pass one. I will stop and go inside and ask, do you sell my books? And they'll say, oh, no, just on the website. Right. So, um, you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of where it's at. So, so I even want people that are not African-American, that are not people of color. I want them to understand that dynamic. Like, because, you know, and usually that's, that's an eye opener. Like, really? You, like, we know you. You've been on. This, you've been in this thing for a long time. You, your books are not in there. Mm -mm. My colleagues are, but not mine. I wish I could say something that had some sort of value to make you feel better about that, but I, I don't, I don't have anything. That is, that, that's something well, I mean, new for I, I, me. I, too. It's, it's what it is. You know, it's, it's like, I, I've, I've, I've accepted it. It's, it's, it's what it is. And, and I have to just do different. So for example, you see a lot of people see me on social media a lot. And so I, so I have to go that route. See, whereas, whereas my colleague, my say my my colleague who is who is not black my white colleague who who we're, we're you know we're at the same level in terms of recognition and stature that type of thing in this industry they may not have to go as hard on social media as I do because their books are in all the stores right so so where I don't have I don't have that you know my reality is a different reality as a matter of fact so that teacher that says I don't see color I don't see culture. I'm like, well, you're doing the children a disservice. You have to see that. You have to see color. You have to see culture because my reality, I, I, I don't have a human reality. I mean, part of my reality is human, but I have a black man reality. Right. And, and because of that, I have to know how to navigate and not let 
the the reality of being a black man become a source of stress for me, but instead become a source of inspiration to want to continue to fight the changed reality that's out here. But if you if you lump me together and I don't see race, I don't see culture, I don't see ethnicity, I just see the children, then you're not preparing me for a world out there that's very real. It's going to be very different from that in the classroom. Absolutely. That is absolutely a statement that I've heard over and over again. And and to hear you say that, it just adds so much value to it. And I assume that a lot of these ideas are in your new book, your newest book, The Equity and Social Justice Education 50. I just so happened to notice that so, several of your books are 50s. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's a great number. I, I know Manny Scott, his was 44. Um, you guys have a lot of great ideas. Talk a little bit about um, your most recent book and you know how it kind of takes into account some of the ideas you're talking about from a lot of the books on the shelf behind you. Yeah, and 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 just to give clarity to all uh, of the listeners on the on the fifty, um, I, I I created this brand where I write books that have self reflective questions, and there are fifty of them, with the exception of one. I did thirty five because it wasn't I didn't use the fifty. It was called "Is My School a Better School Because I Lead It." It was these thirty five powerful questions, but all of the others have 50 self-reflective questions. So books that are driven by questions for the reader to look within oneself as they're reading the book. So the question and my commentary, and then we, you know, we move on. So they do a lot of book studies around that. So here with um, the newest one, I had no intentions on writing this book. I had been writing a book a year for, for several years. And I said, you know, the assistant principal 50, which was my last one, I said, you know, there's no need to write a book. And then George Floyd becomes a part of our reality. Uh, Breonna Taylor becomes a part of our reality in terms of the murder of both of them. And I said, with all that's going on in America in the summer of 2020 in the streets of America, um, with the rallies and the protests and the marches and the demonstrations and the rebellions and, and, and so forth, I said, I have to write this book. You know, every other book I wrote, I wanted to write. This book, I felt like, I kept trying to walk away from it. And, and my spirit kept saying, you have to write this. Because in my mind, in most of my mind, school is children were gonna go back to school in, in September of 2020. Um, but 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 it turned out they didn't. I thought they would go back to school with a whole lot of questions about what's going on uh in the world as it relates to black people specifically. Um but it turned out everything became virtual again. But I felt like I needed to write this book to say to teacher, when those children come into the schools and not just black children, because it wasn't just black folks involved in the protest, but when children come back into school with questions and comments and concerns, et cetera, you need to be able to engage them in that discussion. That's why I wrote that book, right? So particularly the social justice side of the book, because really it's two books in one. It's the equity side, and it's the social justice education side. And notice I'm using the word social justice education as opposed to social justice, right? And and I know that there's a lot of people that will see that title and, 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 and scratch their heads like, what is he talking about? Social justice education. And hopefully they go beyond the head scratch and, and, and buy the book as opposed to walk away from the book, thinking that it's not relevant because Social justice education is probably as relevant as math, science, language, arts, and social studies. In fact, 
social justice education is those four um, subject areas and, and beyond when you talk about interdisciplinary, right? So, um, so you know, that was, that was the motivation behind writing it. You know, I'm excited about the fact that the book just, you know, went out of print the first week it was published. Um, so they had to, you know, nobody anticipated it. So it was off market for a few weeks until they were able to go back and do a, an emergency reprint. And, uh, you know, so now it's out there, but people are embracing it. And um, a lot of districts using it district wide, schools using it school wide. So, and I keep them, I keep them short. I write short books. I keep them simple, easy to read, easy to follow. And, um, you know, because educators are busy and I just want them to be able to sit down and read my books and, and digest them. You know, so that's the, that's the whole motivation behind the way I write them. That's an awesome motivation. I've already ordered my copy. It's in the mail. I'm looking forward Appreciate to it. it. It's, it's, uh, it's something. So for people out there, if they want to, because we want to make sure they know where to get these, because yeah. based on what you just said, I want to make sure they can all go to the right place. Um, where's the best place for them to do that? Should it be your website? Yeah, the main place is principalcafele.com, as you see on the screen, folks. Um, that will link you to Amazon and ASCD. Um, so you can you can order there and it'll, it'll go directly to whichever is your choice. But you can go to other outlets as well, you know, wherever you like buying your books. They usually carry them online. Right. But uh, but 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 not when you go there physically. Right. So but that's how you get them. And then also, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Principal Cafele, same spelling that you see there. Uh, Facebook, two words, Principal Cafele. But also um, I do, I'm online. I do, I have an academy called the Virtual AP, Assistant Principal Leadership Academy, every Saturday morning at 1055. It's really 11, but I do shout outs at 1055. And this was just a little little COVID thing I was doing. You know, we were all in, in, at home in shelter. And um, I said, let me, let me spend 18 weeks doing this from May to August. And then, you know, I'll be done. You know, just, just, just putting out free information free game, as they say, for aspiring assistant principals, assistant principals. And I, I, I started it off. And next thing I knew was beyond just the aspiring and the assistant. It was the principals were on there. The teachers were on there. The, the um, superintendents were on there, assistant superintendents and even commissioners of education were watching. So it, it, it kind of took off in a way that I hadn't anticipated. And now I'm in week number 72 coming up this Saturday, which was only supposed to be 18 weeks. So 72 consecutive weeks. I have not missed a week. Even when I'm on the road, I'm in a, I do it in a hotel or I do it in the, the venue where I'm speaking, you know, whatever it is. So I'm saying that to say, join me on Saturdays, 11 o'clock Eastern, preferably 1055, because maybe I can shout you out because I shout out a lot of names. And um, so 1055 and we go for an hour. Bring on guests. Manny will be on there at some point because you mentioned Manny. Ken Williams is already booked to be on. So he'll be on, um, I think, in November. And, and, you know, we bring on different guests or, or I fly solo. And, you know, it varies. But um, come and join us at you can you can you can nothing to sign up for, nothing to register for. Just go to my Twitter page at Principal Cafele. I'll be sitting right here. Go to my Facebook page, Principal Cafele. Go to my other Facebook page at virtual. Well, I shouldn't say at virtual. AP Leadership Academy or my YouTube channel, Virtual AP Leadership Academy. And all the previous 71 um, sessions are on that channel, Virtual AP Leadership Academy. Come join me this Saturday morning. We're going to be rocking. That is incredible. 18 weeks and now you're into 71 weeks. So the question behind that is, okay, what's the reason why you ended up going 81 weeks, 71 weeks? 
it, you know, the, the people kept tuning in and, and, and we were getting new people every week and, and num the numbers were great. Um, the, the YouTube numbers, you know, every, every, I think we like 8,000 views every month or week or month, whatever it is, it's a lot of people watching on YouTube as well. Cause everybody can't catch it live because they got their lives to live. But, um, but the bottom line was because it grew the way it did and it became the talk and everybody's tuning in and folks are getting jobs because of it and all that kind of thing. I said, well, why would I end this? So then I, so I said, okay, we're going to go to 55 weeks. So that would take me into May of 2021. Thank you. And then when I got there, I was like, man, look at these numbers, man. Look, at all these new folks keep tuning in. So I said, okay, let's go to a hundred weeks. So we're in 71. But then I said, look, I'm not even going to put a number on it. We're just going to do this thing until it's no longer relevant. You know, so that's, that's where it's at. So, so to diversify, awesome. to, to diversify, that's when I started bringing in the guest. So we, you know, we got to, and, and it's usually it's principles, you know, it's not like I'm bringing anybody, but after I've, it, after probably the, the, the new year, I'm going to start bringing in some folks who were not principals. And that's, that's why, you know, Manny will be on there at some point and, and, and others. That's awesome. Well, that is amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. I got one more thing I got to have you do. I have everybody do it on the show. You saw it at the beginning in the intro video. I would love for you to finish the sentence because you've been talking about it this entire time. Unlocking unlimited potential means. Means helping a youngster or person, an adult, to tap into themselves because they were born thing they need but most of us will go through life never tapping into those gifts and talents that lie dormant within so helping that youngster to find what's there as opposed to envying and being jealous of all the other people who have accomplished their own goals you've got your own stuff within you you just got to tap into it well said well said perfect well I appreciate you joining me. I know you're super busy and you have so many other people to inspire in the coming weeks and so many awesome people because this work is, it needs to be out there. It's work that we need now more than ever. You've been doing it for 35 years. I thank you for everything you've done. I appreciate you for joining me on the show. Anybody who's out there, you can check out principalcafele.com. It's at the bottom of the screen. That's where you can find out more information. The website's fantastic. There's tons of offerings, tons of great stuff. Please check it out. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure, Thank my man. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. As we all talked about on this show, continue to educate with passion, people, because the journey toward unlocking unlimited potential, it begins with you. Thanks so much for joining me, Principal Kefele. Rudy, have an awesome day. Take care, everybody. This podcast is proud to be a part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network and also the entire family of disruptors at Codebreaker.